0: DTX equals where thought leaders in digital therapeutics put a stake in the ground about what makes DTX, DTX, the holiday travel edition coming to you from this funky chair in North Carolina. I am your host, Acacia Parks, and with me today is Andy Molnar, CEO of the Digital Therapeutics Alliance. Andy's backgrounds on commercial and market access, hailing formerly from Cognoa and Perrin, the DTX side, and pharma before that. Thank you for joining us, Andy.
1: Thank you for having me, Acacia. It's always a pleasure.
0: So let me, uh, let me pellet you with some questions. First of all, tell us a little bit about you and how you got here. So what's a formative event in your life or career that influenced your path into DTX?
1: Yeah. So, you know, as, as you said, I spent, uh, 12 to 13 years in pharma. Um, you know, pharma does a lot of good things for a lot of people. Um, as an employee, though, it's often hard to understand the difference that you're making in patients' lives. You end up feeling quite separated. And even when you bring in one or two you know, uh, patients to speak to you know, 500 people at a time, you, you don't necessarily feel like you're hands-on and making a difference in their lives. Um, I focused on contracting with insurance companies and GPOs and felt very, very far from the patient. Something I found when I got over to digital therapeutics was, you know, the, the passion of providers that come over and I knew almost immediately that I was going to be stuck in this space forever. Um, but really what what brought me, yes, stuck exactly (laughs) in a good way, in a good way. Um, (laughs) what brought me over was Eric, God,
0: (laughs) Cut that out. I'm ready for this.
1: God. What? Okay. We'll start. We'll go over. three. What really brought me over to digital therapeutics initially was Everett Crossland. Uh, we we worked together at Synovian Pharmaceuticals. Um, he was in the BD space and learned about Pair. He went to Pair and about four or five months later had a position open up in market access. And I reached out and asked him if he thought I'd be okay for the role. Um, With that, he said, do you have any questions about clinically validated uh, software as a medical device? And I was like, no, I don't. This is something I want to be a part of. It seems like the future of medicine. And so I kind of jumped in head first. I remember telling my wife, um, I'd rather be out of a job in three months and try this than... Stay doing the same thing in my career for the rest of my life, and um, I, I just I immediately had a passion for it. But the I think the formative event was um, at Paratherapeutics. We we Everett and I kicked off government affairs work. So up until then, there wasn't really a community of people that were lobbying in Congress for software as a medical device. Uh, it was still pretty early on and we were testing the waters with employer groups and and um, Medicaid programs and things like that. But nobody was focused on CMS from a federal perspective. And so we went down with Kevin Brennan, who is now from uh, at Bluebird Strategies as as a lobbyist. And we were working on an It was an advocate bill that was focused on breakthrough technologies. And so we went down with the folks from Dthera at the time, cause they had a breakthrough product as well. And so that was Ed Cox and Marty Couillat names. I'm sure most of your listeners are familiar with.
0: Friends. Yeah,
1: friends, yeah. And we went around on Capitol Hill and this was in 2018. And we started talking to people about what a digital therapeutic was in Congress and um, why they were breakthrough and the impact that they could have on people's lives. And that was the moment that I realized I that I cared for the whole industry. And I cared about all the gaps and fixing them so that every product can come to market. And we actually have a group of products that can help patients as opposed to just one individual product. And so... Uh, by the time I got to DTA I, I still think back to that day on Capitol Hill and I have pictures of it that pop up on my uh Alexa show you know every couple months that remind me of of where it all began
0: you're a digital therapeutics ride or die <laughs> one of the originals uh, yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's how cool I am
0: <laughs> no look like I think uh you know as a as a nerd who very much feels the same way like I, I think um Uh, there's sort of a common thread that I've heard as I ask people this question, but I think yours most um, clearly put a point on it of this idea that like, if you're going to work in this field, you kind of have to feel like, if I die, I die, like this needs to happen. (laughs) Like, let's just do it. Uh, So I don't know. I I, I liked hearing you uh, You articulate that. I I feel very much the same way.
1: (laughs) You don't bring about massive change without a little bit of naivety about how hard it would be. Or else nobody would yeah. do it, you know.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. So, um, in your mind, let's let's dig into the the meat of the conversation now. DTX for you equals what? And like, I think this is funny because I, almost everybody, when I ask this question, what's the most defining issue in DTX uh, today? Their first response is reimbursement but like they're saying it from the perspective of like whatever else they're doing like they know reimbursement is super important but like you're probably one of the most um, like rich conversationalists on this topic in the world so um, I'm just gonna guess it's gonna have something to do <laughs> with that given uh, all the work you're doing but in your mind what's what's the most uh, defining issue in DTX and you know what's kind of your unique lens on it?
1: Yeah, so reimbursement. No, I'm kidding. Um, obviously, I mean,
0: yes. <laughs> yes, you have permission. Like.
1: Obviously, reimbursement is important. Um, different business models are out there, though, right? Direct-to-consumer, over-the-counter, um, going through your HR benefits. And there's a lot of different digital therapeutics that are successful in a variety of ways. Um, I I really almost want to take a step above reimbursement and say it's the promise of what digital therapeutics can offer Um, so digital therapeutics should be available to anybody anywhere okay so it shouldn't matter your socioeconomic background your gender your race you should be able to have a digital therapeutic that can help you and you know i actually think insomnia is a great example Because cognitive behavioral therapy should be the first line of treatment um, for insomnia. Most people are getting pills like Ambien or Luminesta. And that's not solving your insomnia problem. Now, try and find yourself a sleep doctor that's available and has time to deliver you cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, If you can find one, I'd be happy to know who they are, because I would reach out to them immediately and ask them. It's Jared
0: Minkle. There.
1: There it is. <laughs> done. I'll give them a call Just, right I after. only
0: know one. There they are. Yeah. <laughs> My gratis are. Woo, we're done.
1: Yeah. I had sleep issues. I had to wait four to five months in Massachusetts, which has a great healthcare system, just to do a sleep test because it's so backed up. Yep. Our insurance Maybe. won't cover it. Yeah. Yeah. And I gladly would have paid out of pocket if I knew how to get it earlier. And I'm one of those people that is fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, I, so people say, oh, is this going to replace a doctor? No, the doctors aren't even there to replace in many of these situations. Doctors are burnt out. They're tired. People are, the government's trying to pay them less money all the time. Um, we're trying to supplement their lives to streamline the things that are repetitive for them so that they can actually focus on being a doctor, um, so that they can spend more than three and a half minutes or five minutes or whatever the new stats are. With each patient, so that if somebody has is suffering from insomnia, they can say, "Here's a tool. Use this. This is going to help you." And so, with that, we have a long way to go. Um, insomnia is just one example of many, where these products, you know, the promises will be in the hands of everybody. That's really, really hard, and I'd like to see that happen. Um, the reimbursement piece can can figure itself out maybe a part
0: of that right but it's yeah it's a it's a larger piece of of this issue which is that actually this is kind of like what got me out of academia in the first place because um you know i looked around and i saw all of these evidence-based treatments and i was like cool but like who's receiving these like people aren't even receiving treatment let alone evidence-based treatment in many cases um so you know i think it's just I talked, I had a conversation I'll never forget with, um, you know, a clinic lead at a major health system, um, in, in Boston, speaking of Boston. And he was talking to me about the idea of like moral injury, right? So like you're a doctor and you've got five minutes to spend with somebody. And they tell you like, I have severe depression and you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to put you on this nine month wait list and, (laughs) um, just chill Right. Like this is an awful experience for a doctor who's going through dozens of patients every day who have issues they can't do anything about. And they know that the things that they're sending them to are not adequate, either because they're not evidence based or because they're not even available or because they can't afford them. So this is a, an issue with all of healthcare, care um, and, and a potential solution to that. So that's, that's like no pressure, Andy, like no big deal. <laughs> But uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's really, you know, healthcare is not going to catch up. Like it seems like digital may be the only way that we get there.
1: Yeah. I mean, these innovative products or innovations in general um, are so important, right? DTX is a component of it. Telehealth uh, coaching, like, mm-hmm. you know, we see with uh, Eugene's company. Um, those things are all coming into play Uh managing a whole disease state, you know, like WellLynx is doing with COPD. Um, other companies are, are doing that and saying, give us, pay us a capitated rate. And we'll manage this disease state from start to finish. Um, you know, it, it's all changing and it's all changing, I think, for the better. Um, but again, you got to piece all these things together and it's really complex. To do that, I mean, even sitting down and thinking how you e prescribe an app is really hard. Yeah. And where I spend a lot or... of
0: my time, um, where I spend a lot of my time is thinking about the other half of that, which is that once you get the app into a patient's hands, how do you actually get them to want to use it? Right? How do you get it to become a part of their everyday life, especially because many of the things we need people to do are forever right yeah. like it's not like oh do this for 6 weeks and it's it's not a course of antibiotics it's a, it's you know the digital equivalent of an antidepressant and so you know on one hand we've got like how do we even get this into the patient's hands and then it's like once it's in the patient's hands how do we actually get them to adjust it um, yes, yes. many it it's a large a large scope of things that need to happen
1: and i mean as humans we want to fix things quickly you know yeah. we want control over our our issues and things like that, right? And over our bodies, it's funny. Like I'll go to the gym once, and I'll be like, "Why didn't I lose weight?" You know, because that's a <laughs> whole behavior change. <laughs> I, don't, just I changed
0: my behavior. I did it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not not the person that likes going to the gym every day. I wish I were. Um, you know, so that's why when people are given a pill, it's like, okay, great. This is a this is a fix for me. Um, and, you know, people don't even take their medicine. So, you know, when yeah. I, I hear that argument. Or even the time, get like,
0: the, get their medicine from the pharmacy, right? So, like, yeah. there's a lot of chain of custody issues. <laughs>
1: right. So when I hear the argument, well, I don't know if someone's going to use this product if they download it. It's like, well, you don't know if people are going to take their medicine if you prescribe it either. You know? Um, yeah. So, but I, I do understand people want to pay for things or they want to prescribe things or offer things um, and solutions that are used by the patient. Right. And so to make something engaging is really uh, on the manufacturer of the
0: products. Yep. And as far as I can tell, nobody knows how to do it yet. I mean, we're working on it. Right. But like it's uh, I I can't point to a solution and be like, they figured it out. It's uh, very much still in the in the making.
1: Yeah. Well, what what is the yeah. percentage um if it worked that would make you happy if it worked like 70% of people that use the product would use it or 50% is Oh man,
0: that's a lot of people. I mean, look, the baseline right now is like 10%, 5%. I think the best I've ever seen is something like 20%. So yeah. And actually, like if you look at how clinical research is done, the way that data is analyzed, right, we're just merging everybody together and thinking about the overall impact on the population. So, you know, I I think it's helpful to think about it like FDA pushes us on the manufacturer side to characterize what we've done to our entire research sample and show that on the whole, we've had a clinically significant impact on the sample. And I think that's, I think that's a reasonable way to think about it. And like, you might get there with, you know, only 40% activation, if you have a very strong effect, Um, right? So like, you're having a profound effect on that 40%, and you're not having any effect. But when you average it all together, you're having a pretty good effect. It's not perfect. But I do think it's better than to kind of think about um, just percentage, because um, if you're trying to have an impact on an overall group of people, um, how big the effect is matters right? If your effect is modest, you really need a lot of people to use it in order to impact the population as a whole. Um, And a lot of these kind of cognitive behavioral therapy products, which like, believe me, I got into industry to create cognitive behavioral therapy products, because I was fed up with CBT not being available. The average effect of CBT in an app is not that large, right? Like, you know, Cohen's D. 3.4. 3.4. So these are things like you'd really need 50% of the population, 40% of the population minimum to be using. If you're completely and totally obliterating a disease, as long as the person uses an app, maybe it's smaller. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I have um, engagement conversations with, you know, new companies all the time as they talk about whether or not they want to join and things like that. And, you know, they're in, usually in pitch mode and they'll say something like, we have 100% engagement. And I'm, I'm all my response is always drop that down a little bit because 100 does, is not- Yeah, believable.
0: listen, like, <laughs> that's not what you think it means. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, okay, so um, from there, like I think we've talked, uh, we've started to hit on this, right? Of like, you know, in, in yeah. our wildest dreams, it seems like, you know, universal access um, and uh, co- combined with, uh, products that patients are are willing to use one way or another, um, in at least at a level where we're seeing impact on the population. We're not aiming for 100 percent. That's not reasonable. Like um, not every like it's same with, uh, you know, people don't cash in their prescriptions either. Um, so, right. you know, we, we're just trying to have a dent. Um, in your wildest dreams, what's something DTX would be able to do in the future that it can't do today? Like, we're reaching some patients now, right? We're getting, you know, prescribed in places now. So, like, this is just, you know, let's do more and more and more of that until it's accessible. But, like, what's a step change difference, something that we are not doing today um, that you would like to see?
1: Well, so I'd like to see the a really streamlined ecosystem. Um, I, I think uh, a good example of that would be in, like, mental health, right? Um, we were talking about it could take nine months to a year um, to get a patient on um, proper treatment for, for mental health um, issues like depression anxiety, etc. I I'd love to see uh, digital therapeutics be that first line. You know, I mean, by the time you go to your doctor and say I have I think I have a mental health problem, you've probably had a mental health problem for qu- quite a long time. Um, and so with that saying, here's something for you now, it's going to take a while for us to find the right therapist. It's going to take a while for us to find the right medication, but I know that I can start delivering you therapy through this app immediately. That's going to, um, help you with a baseline of depression, anxiety, PTSD, et cetera. And that that's really all I ask. Is that so much?
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I think, you know, some of the component pieces are just lying around and like not being used in the right way. Like I've been hearing about um, technologies that can listen to your voice or look at your text and very accurately tell you how depressed you are or very accurately right. tell your GP how depressed you are. Right. And so there are, um, you know, back to your idea of and this, you know, kills me. Right. So like I have bipolar disorder and like I didn't get the right medication for bipolar disorder for at least 10 years after I was diagnosed and I was given like absolutely wrong like made it worse medic I mean all kinds of stuff right so like it takes a really long time from the moment you start to suspect like something's up to the point where you're actually like going to be able to function as a human because you've been treated correctly and um There's technology out there that can shorten that gap if it's just like sort of integrated into like write a paragraph for me when you check in with your GP and have that text be analyzed. Um, And then, you know, here's this digital product you can use while we figure out the rest. Like that technology has existed for at least at least six years, I think longer than that. Like I, I really feel like I've been hearing about it. For a while. I, I don't know, like if you've heard about these, um, you know, kind of digital, digital biomarker or like diagnosis tools, they're not FDA cleared, but like the technology is there and nobody's just taking it past the finish line. So like, right. it's interesting because I don't think it's as huge of a gap as it sounds. It's more like logistical. It's like, can right. we get these things integrated into one place?
1: Yeah. Can, can we put it all together and make the financials make sense? You know what I mean? Because yeah. some of this stuff, some like some tools are not going to be a unicorn exit, you know, and I think there's a there's a there's an expectation sometimes of I'm doing something new in healthcare. I need to exit for two billion dollars and we're all going to be rich from right. a company perspective. Um, we need tools that are integrated well. And you know the people that do the job should get paid for them, and the tools should be paid for, but you know it's healthcare, it's population health it's it's for the good of humanity um, How do we make this happen and make everybody happy without it having to be such a um, a, a need to be that next blockbuster <laughs>
0: no, but I think it's I think it's true in dtx too like I mean we've got to think about the fact that we have all these point solutions and that's not what's going to get us past the finish line in the end, you know, a bunch but, of individual, you, you know, people trying to be unicorns. Um, some things are going to get acquired. Things things are already getting acquired. Um, more things are going to get acquired. Um, and and that's what needs to happen, right? Like I think that's the natural progression is that, you know, things are going to be coming together in a, in a few places so that all these things can happen together. As long as it's 20 individual companies all trying to make a, you know, 100 million plus exit, um, yeah. all trying to compete, you know, it's just, they can't all have a hundred million dollars. Like, <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a tricky one. Um, band together doesn't mean a bunch of point solutions all getting paid their ideal price, you know, right. it's, some things right. become part of other things
1: to be a downer like that but you know
0: no i mean i don't know i think i think it's uh i don't know it has kind of an exciting vibe like i I realize it's uh for some it will be challenging but it's also a sign that we have matured as a field past Mm -hmm. the point of like let's all just try and do this alone like that, that yeah. was fun for a while. <laughs> we, made, we made certain impacts, but at the same time, like now we've got to think about like, what's our end game? Like, what does it really mean to be a ride or die in digital therapeutics? Um, because yeah. like you said, if there's no risk, um, we're not going to change anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, I see it as filling those gaps in the patient journey in general, right? So it's like a mix of care management, accessibility to humans, and having the right tools in your pocket. And I, you know, I don't really know who's going to be the winner there and put that together, Yeah. but we know it's going to happen. Well,
0: I'm figuring out the right time, right? Because it's like, you know, how do you know it's the right time in the patient journey to insert this thing? Um, means yeah. you need smarter assessments and diagnostics. And I don't see people working that hard in the assessment and diagnostics. Like there are a couple of obvious, um, you know, obvious outliers, but you don't see this, the lots of people trying to treat things, very few people trying to be like, how are we going to figure out a person even needs this digital treatment because their GP sure as hell isn't going to figure it out. Um,
1: yeah. And you're seeing yeah. things that can start to identify people very far upstream. But the problem is as patients, we don't necessarily want to be identified very far upstream. You know, mm. it's, it's tough. That you're like, be, well, this is right? for me i don't want to worry about it yet you know if you were if you were, how did you even
0: know that's creepy like
1: yeah like if you were able to take a drop of blood let's say like theranos worked right for a second (laughs) 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 no i'm kidding take a drop of blood and tell me when i'm 80 here's everything you're gonna have i wouldn't want to (laughs) know you know so it's like really striking that balance
0: Well, and talking to patients and actually figuring out what it is that they do want, because, you know, there is a world where patients want what we're describing. It's just the execution matters so much.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: And with that, we have somehow talked our way through our entire 20 minutes and uh, and we're done. So I know uh, (laughs) that's that's how it feels for sure. Um, Thank you for coming, Andy. It was great to talk to you um, and uh, all of you out there. Thank you for listening to DTX Equals. Catch you next time. (laughs) Oh <laughs> yeah